Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Joining me today is Tanya Wilkes, Deputy Commander for DISA Central Field Command, in her first ever podcast interview. In our conversation today, Tanya is going to discuss how DISA Central Field Command is securing IT to get ready for JADC2. 5G holds a lot of promise for CENTCOM, but the abundance of security vulnerabilities in popular 5G hardware from Chinese telecom companies like Huawei and ZTE make implementation challenging. Tanya is going to discuss how she's mitigating these risks and how she's implementing zero trust measures so CENTCOM can quickly and securely share data and information with other combatant commands for JADC2. She's also going to talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic changed attitudes around cybersecurity and whether hardware or software provide bigger cyber threats to IT. Thank you so much for coming on CyberCast. Okay, thank you for inviting me. Um, Looking forward to providing you information, providing the audience uh, just a picture of what we do in this essential to support CENTCOM. Absolutely. So to start off our conversation today, I would love to hear about some of the top cyber challenges facing the DOD information network in the CENTCOM region and how you're working to address these challenges. That's a great question. Um, The CENTCOM AOR, as you know, is in the, the Middle East, right? Encompasses the Middle East countries as well as Israel. In our three major challenges today that we're facing, the first of which is a significant increase from our adversaries from China, Russia, and Iran. Um, and you think, why China and Russia? You're, in, you're doing the Middle East. Well, we're at a crossroads between those countries, right? Um, a lot of information and oil and other assets in that AOR that are of, are of interest uh, to our adversaries. And so, uh, They're attacking our defense industrial base and our critical infrastructure. Now, what what are we doing to address that? Um, We, this is a team sport, right? So we work closely with uh, US Cyber Command with our DISA headquarters and our other DISA field offices to take a look at the threats, gathering the intelligence to drive in clear hardening priorities for our maneuver forces to go out and gather additional intelligence and to address those threats. Uh, The second biggest one, and this one dates back for quite some time, and that's the proliferation of Huawei and ZTE telecommunications infrastructure uh, through the China's Digital Silk Belt Road Initiative. And why is that a threat? Well, so China has been able through the Silk Road Initiative in providing inexpensive technologies to multiple places around the world has proliferated their equipment. The equipment is what what we found has vulnerabilities and is able to provide information that we prefer not do that uh, back to China and its its friends. So what are we doing about that? Uh, We've been having, we have discussions with uh, the ministries of communications and ministries of defense as well as the State Department on ensuring our partners understand the threat. While I understand the economic desire to have less expensive equipment, with that comes inherent threats. So ensuring they understand the threats, 
and that we can work together. So that takes constant and consistent messaging with our partners uh, in other countries, uh, with CENTCOM and with its components to ensure that we're all saying the same things and understanding same information. It goes back to, again, this is a team sport. It can't be just a central doing it by itself. We have to use and communicate with others to accomplish that, that conversation. The third piece um, would be the back traffic vulnerabilities to sensitive data due to our aging uh, hardware and software encryption algorithms. We're working with, and what does that mean? So we're encrypted, right? And there's an opportunity if someone captures encrypted information while they can't use it today, uh, through all of the technology gains, eventually they may figure out what it says, right? So we're working with NSA and others to modernize our infrastructure and encryption capabilities to mitigate the potential of that, comp that particular compromise. Other things that we're doing, uh, we're ensuring that we are hiring the right folks, um, training people, uh, creating mindset across what help, just not the technicians know about cybersecurity, but including what do end users understand about cybersecurity. We all have, I'm sitting at home here with my, my laptop talking to you on Zoom. So I have inherent uh, vulnerabilities there. And so when we start to use more end devices, and that's a later question, I guess, we'll, I mean, so we'll talk about, um, we start having mobility and introduces the potential of other endpoints and security uh, challenges for the infrastructure itself. So those are the three. Um, that are face the key three that are facing us today. Attacks by China, Russia, and Iran. Huawei and ZTE equipment in the infrastructure. And it's not just in the Middle East. That infrastructure is being placed in other countries as well um, so with our partners. And a third one would be back traffic vulnerabilities. Gotcha. So how do C2 principles impact your mission? And can you discuss the role of cybersecurity within C2 principles and kind of building off of what you were just talking about, back traffic vulnerabilities, can you dig into the importance of secure information exchange and how that's critical to the work that you do via just a central field command? Right. Another good question, multiple layered question. So C2 is critical, right? Command and control. We have to know who's on our left, who's on our right, and who's responsible for what. And in addition to that, we have to share information quickly. A challenge today is how well we are able to share that information, provide that same site picture for all. And later on, we'll talk about JADC2 and the importance of that, and, and maybe that, that, that is going to help us uh, accomplish that so that we can share information for command, proper command and control as quickly as possible. We have to be maneuverable and adaptable to support a fast, ever-changing cyber landscape. The cyber landscape is not standing still. Uh, when I first started doing this, it wasn't called cybersecurity, and I've been in this business for a while, so I'm not going to tell you the years, but I will tell you, um, we moved slowly then. Our adversaries moved slowly then. 
that has totally changed where our adversaries are moving quickly. So our command and control structures and interfaces have to move as quickly as well, right? So that we can respond. We have to respond at net speed. So going forward, defending our customer or CENTCOM's area of operation should become easier as we have effective data sharing platforms once those are starting to be implemented, right? As we look at JADC2 and other things that are going to occur, um, zero trust and all of those avenues that we're using to protect the current infrastructure and the current environment, information sharing environments, but also the environments of the future. Uh, I think we'll be in a, in a steadfast way to, to help C2. Uh, C2, again, is integral to what we do in defensive cyber operations for U.S. Central Command. Can you talk a little bit about how intelligence collection drives DOD information network operations and the role that cybersecurity plays in this? Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. So intelligence gathering is critical to how we defend the Doden. Uh, and the Doden consists of many components of which DISA Central is responsible for protecting and operating a portion of that as a part of a larger whole, right? And particularly, we focus on US Central Command. And so the intelligence that we gather and the effects we're able to create with that to protect CENTCOM's AOR are critical. If we don't have the intelligence, then we don't know where to point their assets. We provide inadequate, could potentially provide inadequate protections. And so that intelligence feeds what we do. I have to know where the, where the challenges are, where the vulnerabilities are, so that I can properly place uh, protections against that and also alert our customer, our mission partner, US Central Command, as to what they need to be looking at as well, right? To get after that and potentially get ahead of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the cyber challenges associated with that, with intelligence collection in particular? So I would say uh, today, uh, some of those challenges may include making sure that we're sharing information, and I alluded to this earlier, and sharing information quickly across the C2 infrastructure, right? Share, getting information or usable intelligence across all of the entities. At times, it may be the information, intelligence information may be stovepiped into one particular entity within the, the Doden. And so the goal then, as we move towards JADC2 and other and Zero Trust, uh, is to share information in a more dynamic manner so that we all see the same things because something happening in another area of operation may actually not be happening to me yet, but it may happen to me in the future. So I need to know that, or it may be happening, but I don't necessarily understand what's happening, but somebody else has already figured it out, right? So I wanna make sure that I can see and understand quickly so that I can correlate what's going on in my location to what may have happened in another location and vice versa. Once I have information, I need to share that, uh, that intelligence and information globally so that others can be prepared to take a look at their AORs, their piece of the world, and see what's going on there. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, definitely. You mentioned zero trust. Is that something that you guys are pursuing right now? We as an agency are. Uh, the Department of Defense is. We are right now in more in a support and learning role, and we're waiting, anxiously awaiting for it to happen. Uh, we do provide, here's what we think that means in our particular part of the world, and then we have to also prepare ourselves with training, um, ensuring that folks understand what that's going to mean. It's a going to be a mindset change, right? We're not going to think about security as we did before. Zero trust or tr uh, security in the past was we trust we don't trust everybody, but it wasn't, we trusted a lot more. In zero trust, we're going in with the proposition that I don't trust anybody, right? And you have to prove to me who you are and that you need to get the information that you're given. And we're going to do that continuously. So it assumes zero trust as it, as it states. So I believe, and I, I know that that's going to help us in the future, uh, hopefully in the near future, as we move into cloud-based computing more wholeheartedly. So you mentioned being able to share information quickly across you know, other services and DOD components so that you can act on that information. And I feel like this is kind of part of the point of JADC2. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss what CENTCOM's role is going to be in JADC2? from your perspective and the importance of cybersecurity and maybe even a zero trust approach to cybersecurity from this perspective? I can discuss from this Central Field Command's perspective, but I, I'm not prepared right now to talk about CENTCOM's perspective. We can get that back to you. Sure, sure, yeah, no worries. Okay, so as I stated earlier, we as a, a field command, um, part of DISA, part of the bigger whole of DISA, uh, will enable JADC2 in the CENTCOM AOR um, as a supporting role. We're also looking at enabling joint warfighting cloud capabilities. That's a distributed cloud computing infrastructure in associated data centers. Uh, clear for us, there may be something overseas, um, not just here in the United States. So we have to incorporate, what does that look like for us and how do we protect that? That's coming up here in the next fall, in this fall, actually, for us to take a closer look at that. Zero trust, as I've said earlier, it's an entirely, entirely new paradigm for traditional cybersecurity activities and processes. So it's, a, it's going to be a mindset change for the community, right? And for the user-based community. We always assume in zero trust, we will assume that there's a breach. We'll deny all by default and authenticate every transaction through the use of the uh, user and the endpoint devices. Now, the, the hope would be we don't slow down our ability to command and control by doing all of that. So it's important as we develop the strategy or as the strategy and implementation of JADC2 happens, that we're able to maintain flexibility for commanders on the ground, right? For them to do things at the speed of light that they need to do, to make decisions with clear information, to act quickly. And we'll need that same ability to protect the networks and the information traversing those networks and the, the information in the cloud to give us that flexibility and agility to act as quickly as possible. 
So zero trust is a large step for us um, to help us get there, right? So DISA Central will be working with DISA headquarters again to describe what does that mean in our part of the world? And then how do we implement that, help CENTCOM implement that in their part of the world, right? Each, AO, each area of operations is different and has different requirements, but many requirements are the same. So how do we not, how do we enable what they need to accomplish, they CENTCOM needs to accomplish to meet their mission in the CENTCOM AOR? Sure. So I want to change gears a little bit because I'm interested in hearing about what some of the cyber challenges surrounding satellite communication are and how this impacts Central Field Command's mission and its ability to provide secure contributions to JADC2. Another good question. So satellite communications is critical to, to any of the AORs, but in particular to CENTCOM's uh, AOR uh, to move information around the battlefield where there isn't a land, you know, if we lose terrestrial connectivity, satellite communications is the next thing, right? So we need to ensure that it's secure. In the past, um, again, this is going in a little ways back, cybersecurity maybe wasn't the first thought for satellite communications. It is now the forethought for satellite communications because we already know that we have a latency issue, right? We already know the tyranny of distance of satellite communications going up to space and coming back down creates some latency uh, within the communications. What we have done and ensured that we do is secure the endpoints where the communications is coming down. The more we use commercial satellite communications, we have to then now work with those mission part with those uh, vendors to ensure they understand the vulnerabilities that could potentially occur depending on the type of equipment they have, uh, helping them to understand a zero trust architecture and what that means to them as they are implementing that and how that can help us as a team work together to secure uh, communications. DISA Central manages earth terminal endpoints uh, for the central region. Um, and so it's important for us to ensure not only that the satellite piece is secure, but also the hardware has, is properly updated, uh, that we're properly encrypted, that we continuously monitor ingress and egress points to look for anomalous traffic, right? That we have secure methods for least privilege on the equipment that's in our earth stations. Um, so that's our part in that. Um, to make sure that we can secure to the best of our ability, the hardware and the software. Another vulnerability, which, you know, other earth terminals can, are a physical target, right? Uh, if a, an adversary would so choose to in a large scale war or however that might occur, actually physically attack uh, one of those sites with a missile. But barring that, we still have to look at what does, how well are we protecting the earth stations this, from a cybersecurity perspective. It also goes back into mindset change, training, continuous training, reminding folks that the world is not 
the cyber world has changed how we need to look at things. Um, it has given cybersecurity or cyber attacks have given many more folks the ability to attack our systems, as well as our nation state actors that I mentioned earlier, China, Russia, and Iran. Would you say that hardware or software is the most vulnerable or a higher priority in terms of cybersecurity, or are they pretty much equal in terms of the kinds of vulnerabilities you're seeing or the kinds of risks that you're looking to avoid? I would say that they are equal. Um, and the reason I say that is some, some of the hardware is made in places we'd prefer it not be made, right? That doesn't necessarily belong to us. So that piece of it, we have to watch. And on that hardware contains software um, that we're looking at. So we have to continuously patch things. So for us, ensuring that our hardware stays up to date and that we're updating it as quickly as we can, which makes uh, challenging to do that, but updating our hardware as quickly as we can, and also make ensuring that our software is developed in such a way that we can protect it. So I, I would not say one outruns the other. Uh, I would say they're running together as a need to protect both. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I guess tangentially related to satellite communications, is the emergence of 5G capabilities relevant to this central field command? And if so, what are some of the top security risks posed by that? And I know you already talked about Huawei and ZTE a little bit, and I imagine that probably has something to do with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does. So 5G yeah. brings with it great things, right? Mm -hmm. And with great things, some risk um, that we will have to mitigate. Uh, 5G is, going, is bringing uh, quite a bit of capability to not me at work, but also me personally, right? And so we all have to think about what we're doing and, and the equipment that we're doing it on. So yes, part of the answer is going to be, yes, Huawei and ZTE, because of its low price point, has been proliferated worldwide, particularly in developing countries and as we're finding uh, in developed countries as well, to include here in the United States because of their low price point. Um, and with that, we found, and that this is public knowledge, we found that there are some security vulnerabilities uh, with that. So what do we, it goes back to education, education, education uh, for our partners, uh, for the vendors that we use, for our mission partner, U.S. CENTCOM and its components, for uh, particularly uh, the Gulf cooperation countries in the Middle East, uh, that we ensure that they understand uh, the vulnerabilities they could potentially be walking into when they purchase that equipment. And I can't say much more about that. No worries. It sounds like cyber training and education is one of the big themes of cyber strategy at this essential field command, especially given the rate of cyber attacks and all of the vulnerabilities and issues with hardware that you were mentioning. Absolutely, absolutely. Training and action, right? Uh, moving or getting our folks trained so they can see something, right. make a decision, and get after it, right? 
Mm -hmm. uh, and report it as quickly as they can. The flash to bang has increased tremendously in our field command. Over the last uh, two and a half years, we have been able to uh, bring in uh, some cyberspace experts to help uh, look at and defend uh, the CENTCOM AOR. And it is working wonderfully. We're able to work closely with CENTCOM, with their cyber team, to ensure that we are locked, that we have the same information at the same time and are able to look at information or the threats simultaneously and see if we're coming up with the same answers. We've also done simple things, which sound, doesn't sound, but uh, putting placing together not just the, uh, the cyber team, but putting them with, together with what's going on in the network. So while we used to think it was a few years, you know, years ago, it was just a network problem. Well, that network problem may actually be a cyber problem, right? So ensuring that those folks are talking to each other and correlating the information as to cause, effect, and actually root cause um, has been tremendous in helping uh, work in CENTCOM's AOR. Gotcha. So can you discuss some of the cyber challenges or priorities regarding mobile technology and communication systems for Disessential Field Command. And I feel like you kind of already answered this a little bit. It sounds like education and training are, are pretty big priorities, but I'm curious if you had anything to add to that on that particular topic. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, one thing that we've seen over, you know, COVID brought some really bad things. Uh, one of the things it did do, though, was proliferate the use and desire to use uh, mobile devices. In the past, prior to COVID, I think the use of mobile devices wasn't as wasn't that large, to be quite honest with you. And now it's as though everyone has one, wants one. Uh, so what we are doing is ensuring that the endpoints are secured. Um, ensuring that our user community understands how to secure it, how to use it securely, uh, what they can and can't do with it. The mobility devices that we have today and that we're fielding in the future will allow for data at rest and data in motion encryption and then giving end-to-end uh, -end encryption. So just that piece of it goes beyond the education piece, right? It, we've, in case somebody misses the, the class or doesn't understand, we need to also ensure that the path and that the devices are secure. Um, and we've done, DISA as a whole has done a great job of that. I have a team here at DISA Central that provisions secure devices for CENTCOM. I'm working directly with them to ensure they have all of the devices they need as quickly as they need it to make, so they can, in, so that CENTCOM can maintain secure C2 communications whenever and wherever they need to. So I've got one more question before we wrap up today, and it's about cyber hygiene, which I also feel like we've been talking a little bit about throughout this whole interview. How does cyber hygiene impact cyber for just a central field command? And given DOD's past struggles with cyber hygiene, how are you prioritizing this at DISA Central Field Command? So in cyber hygiene, you know, we typically think education and things like that, that we've already discussed, right? Um, there are other things that are in the background that the community, that the community, we've, we've put in place 
to include vigilance, right? See something, say something does not just apply to see a bag that needs to be, that someone has uh, discarded. But if you see something on the network that you say, hmm, that was strange. I think I should, <laughs> I need to report that, right? Uh, often some of the tippers that we get within the field command come from our end users or from end user devices. Now, there are also ways that uh, end user devices are monitored and tracked uh, for those anomalous uh, happenings and reported up. So that happens uh, just as, as a matter of fact of how we do business as an agency and as a department um, to secure our end devices. User training. Um, we also have CENCOM has put in place little, little uh, ways to ensure that we don't bring devices into the facilities. So my cell phone, if I want to bring it out of my car, out of the 100 degree weather in my car, I can, put, I can bring it into the building in a secure location. I have to turn it off and put it in a secure sleeve. I cannot use it within 20 feet of the building. So there are some things that we've that CENTCOM and DISA Central have put into place that go beyond education to ensure in case someone missed or misunderstood what they learned or forgot something or something changed, that we have a way of alerting the system that, hey, there's a user out there that may need some help, that we need to check on that device. You know, the other way that things happen is if something occurs on my laptop, my laptop gets isolated until we can figure out what that was, right? So it's a multi-layer approach to cyber hygiene that includes education most wholeheartedly and ensuring that our, our folks understand the changing landscape and keeping them updated as to what's going on. And there's also those physical things that we do as far as you know, you can't, cannot bring your cell phone into the building. It has to be locked in a, not just in a lockbox, but in a secure pouch that does not allow any emissions to or from your phone in case you forgot to turn it off or in case somebody is able to turn it back on um, from afar. So we, we have to in, uh, ensure that we understand that it's a team sport. I, the end user, have to be part of that, have to participate in that. And then the infrastructure itself, we have put in things in place to ensure that we are protected as well, because a vulnerability to one is a vulnerability to all, potentially. So it goes back to zero trust, right? Yeah, it sounds like you guys are already implementing a lot of the key zero trust principles in the cyber hygiene practices and just the general cybersecurity measures that you're already taking. Correct. And, and, you know, when I first started doing this a little while back, you know, cybersecurity was an afterthought or security was an afterthought. Now it's a forethought, right? We used to bolt security onto things. Now it's built into things. It's built into what we do, how we think, and how we discuss things and how we do C2. And I think that's a big, a large stride that will go forth in JAD C2 to ensure that we can share information as quickly as possible in a secure manner. Awesome. Well, I don't think I have any more questions today, unless there was anything that you wanted to add about general cyber efforts and priorities at Central Field Command before we wrap up. Um, the only thing I, I maybe I, 
that I probably should add is we are a learning and growing organization in cybersecurity as well as in other things. And as we continue to, we in DISA Central Command, as well as DISA, as we continue to look at how best to support our combatant command and enable his missions uh, in, the AO, in the area of operation in Southwest Asia, uh, we learn, right? And we're learning to get ahead of it. You know, what we used to think wasn't a problem, we now assume is a problem. And we take a look at it and then we rule it out. Okay, that wasn't really a problem. That really was a fiber cut. Well, how many times do we have the same fiber? You know, if we keep having the same cut, alleged cut, is that now really a, a cyber problem? Or was it a cyber problem before? So the way we look at things is evolving. Uh, and that a lot of that is based on zero trust. And again, we'll go back to changing the mindset of folks that assume we're being attacked. And if we're not, that's good. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Tanya. I really appreciate it. Cyber training and education is a huge theme at DESA. Cyber leaders have realized that you can't avoid all cyber vulnerabilities and risks. So sometimes all it takes is cyber awareness and good cyber hygiene to catch that threat before it compromises your network. As Tanya said, cybersecurity used to be an afterthought for DISA Central Field Command. Now it's a forethought, and that will help all of DOD get to JADC2. For more interviews like this one and thought leadership from federal cyber leaders, subscribe to and follow CyberCast and visit our website at governmentciomedia.com. I'm your host, Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. CyberCast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 